listening to Teeny Talks with your host, coach expert, Teeny Fadzila. This podcast is brought to you by The Coach Partnership, world-class leadership development, coaching, and coach certification. Hi, everyone. Welcome to my podcast. I'm Teeny Fadzila, your host. I've been in the coaching industry for more than 25 years, and our team has worked with thousands of individuals, leaders, and coaches globally to create impact through powerful conversations. The intent of these podcasts is to support you to design the life that you are compelled by. I can't wait to introduce you to my friends from the industry, share our insights and stories that will inspire you to take the baton and run. Let's get started. Welcome, Carol. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, To all our viewers or listeners, in today's episode, I have a special guest. Um, I have known Carol for, I'm thinking, 12 years-ish, maybe more, unlikely to be less. And um, it's been, she's an amazing, very, very wise uh, woman. Her name is Carol Chrissy. And just a bit of background so you know who she is. Um, Carol is our faculty member in the Newfield Ontological Coaching Program. She is an emeritus master certified coach. And from 2000 to 2019, she served as a member of the global ICF coaching credentialing team to certify coaches. She is also the author of Save Your Inner Tortoise, Learn How to Cross the Finish Line Joyful and Satisfied a book on simple yet powerful emotional agility learning strategies. She calls the book her gift in supporting her favorite audience, the ever-striving, exhausted, self-sacrificing overachievers. Now, we're not talking about that today. That can be another day's topic. But Carol is also a featured speaker on emotional agility in the United States, Asia, and Europe. All right. So today, as I mentioned, Not so much on the topic of Carol's book, although she is a master in emotions. Today, we're discussing the distinction of love. It's such a universal topic. We could talk about this forever. Um, And, you know, songs have been written about this powerful emotion. And so in this conversation, we're going to do a deep dive into the heart of love. Okay, so here are some questions to consider um, as as this conversation unfolds, all right? What do we need to learn about love? We're going to explore lessons learned, distinctions about love, and then let's see what else unfolds. Now, let me, let me say this last thing, and then let me hand it over to Carol. Our intent really is to leave, to have you leave today's conversation in a very reflective mood, yeah? Exploring your own self, your life, um, your environment, the people around you, and how to navigate in this world powerfully and inspired. All right. So that's that's how I'm going to launch today's conversation. Let me open it up for Carol. Carol, over to you. Let's talk about love. What are your immediate thoughts? My, my first thought was my first adventure into uh making some distinctions about love came in my own coach training program. And um, it's when I met my future husband uh, who um, 
basically cherished me. And I, being a not good enough, self-reliant, uh, 33-year-old woman who had my owned my own business and had been a coach for a while, etc., had no clue how to be cherished. I could be needy. And my Paul, my future husband, had no interest in a needy woman. He liked his women smart, full of dignity, and a thinker. And I was used to being a pleaser. I, I am, you mentioned my tribe in my book, you know, the not good enough, exhausted, overwhelmed, etc. That's you're that's, the president. I am, I was the perfect. And so I my first emotional learning task with my coach was to learn what cherishing was and and especially being cherishable. Mm. And 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 I was totally confused, but I had a girlfriend, very good friend, who whose husband cherished her and she couldn't stand it. Oh, interesting. And what I do you think was the difference? I she's passed away now, so I don't think I'm I'm speaking badly of someone. But her, she was never, ever enough. Mm -hmm. enough. She was absolutely beautiful, very, very smart, very successful in business and work, and very, very unhappy as a general rule. And I saw my friend with an adoring husband who would have done anything for her treat him badly. And that's what I started to do with uh, while dating Paul. And I was like, I am not going to. He was so different. I didn't. He loved me. And so being cherishable didn't have anything to do with him. It had to do with my ability to accept love and learn how to accept love. That's really fast. You know, the thought that comes to my mind is, as as we were at you and I discussed this, as we were prepping for this conversation, um, we had categorized love into three segments. <clears throat> and one of it was there's that romantic definition of love, and I drew a little heart. And then there's my passion for work. What is the distinction there? And then the last one was self. You know, how do yeah. I love myself? The reason I bring this up here is. As you're speaking about this example, there's an element of um, you're starting to date someone. There's that romantic love starting to blossom. And then there's an overlap of your own relationship with yourself, maybe. You know, am yeah, I yeah, cherishable? Yeah. Right. And what what are what are those distinctions, maybe? Um, and I'm curious, I might be jumping the gun so you can pull me back. Is what when did you notice that about yourself and what practices or what did you do differently to start to develop that? Well, first thing, what I noticed is all my tricks of trying to get somebody to love me with Paul didn't work. 
it 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 was like I I tried to guilt him into seeing me. I tried and and but all of my old tricks that had resulted in failed relationships uh, didn't work with him. And he had such a dignity and a self-confidence about him that was unfamiliar to me. Wow. And it was like, I want some of that. I, I want that. And he wasn't going to have, he didn't believe in playing games. I can tell you one of the first dates we were on the beach and um, we were at the bottom of a sand dune and I started racing up the hill and about 10 or 15 feet up the hill, I turned back and I said, race you to the top and kept going and we get to the top and he beat me. And I said, (laughs) you beat me. Why did you beat me? And he said, you said it was a race. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is a whole different guy here. Oh, wait, so so what, what was the lesson there for you? The lesson there for me was I was used to kind of manipulating people into trying to get them to love me. I always picked previous to that men who didn't really love me. Mm-hmm. They liked me. They didn't love me. That was my pattern. Paul, he, right after we met, it was like we were this, we really never dated. It was just from that point forward, just learning how to love and, and in my case, be loved. You said and, something that's, you said something that's really interesting to me. You said, I used to date people who liked me. But Paul loved me. In your mind, what's the distinction? What's the difference? Whether it's a formal distinction or what you noticed as the receiving end. I, for me, the when you have such low esteem, like yourself, my self-confidence was pretty fragile. My... I had such an investment of a combination of not being good enough and then striving. That's that's mm-hmm. kind of what my tribe does. It, extreme. We strive because we're not enough and we never declare what enough is. Mm. You know, what's enough money? What's enough work? What's enough promotions? What's enough kids? What's, you know, we we have a very hard time answering the what's enough question. What was very interesting about being in a relationship with Paul is I was enough as is for him. Mm-hmm. And I was and I was in very unfamiliar territory because I was still he can't possibly like me this much. Doesn't he? He'll find out. You know, and so this I mean, the, the not enough game is a kind of a gnarly, mean unsatisfying game. So uh, most of the work I had to do was, was, uh, and it started with him just like what he liked about me. And he would put his arm around me while we were walking to the beach and I would throw his arm off and say, you're smothering me. And he goes, okay, obviously that has something to do with you and has nothing to do with me. 
I just put my arm around you because I like you. Oh, wow. So here in this battle with, with a foreign feeling of being loved, very used to being liked. I know how to be liked. Interesting. I had a career of overworking and bosses love me. So I really knew how to be liked. Right. You know what? Animal. Oh, this is so interesting. What's really, um, but what's surfacing for me is this. I want to, I know we're talking about love. What's surfacing for me, however, is something I want to pause on our conversation to just speak to the, to the listeners, which is, Carol, through your story, you're, you're, you're identifying your own internal narratives, what was happening for you as you were immersing yourself in, on this new journey called love, right? And my invitation to the listeners is to pause and consider what is your story when you are swimming or when you're about to dive into this pool called love, right? What is your relationship with it? With it? Is it, is it productive? Is it unproductive? Um, are there elements that are productive? Are there elements that are not? And what a great opportunity to get to know yourself better. What, what have you decided about yourself and other people? How do you define love, right? And also let's include those listeners who are in a quote unquote love relationship and it's off target somehow. Mm. As, as you and I know from being coaches, there is a story, a narrative that we have that explains very clearly what's going wrong or what's going right. There's always a narrative. And we human beings tend to live in our narratives versus holding it as a story that was invented at some period of time for probably really good reasons that may not be as valid as they used to be. So, Oh, that's so powerful because just to piggyback Carol on what you just said, which is um, uh, the freedom that comes with knowing I can design a new story. I can consider my story and start to add new things, take some old stuff out where we don't have to be held hostage by that. Yep. And it's no accident that there are millions of poems, millions of songs about love. And and those three distinctions that you started with, with, you know, uh, relationship and work and um, self, mm. I got one of my favorite poets is a poet uh, English poet by the name of David White and he has a book called three marriages Mm. and he thinks we live in marriages have vows have promises and that we live inside those three marriages simultaneously and work can conflict with marriage and in my case Uh, a relationship with Paul conflicted with my relationship with myself. Mm. If I wanted to continue to have a relationship with Paul, I needed to alter myself. And that's why I started learning this idea of being cherishable and 
reading, looking up everything that I could about being cherishable and being truly loved without feeling I had to give something back. I had to be able to receive. So it's conditional in your mind. If you got something, it had, there had to be something in return. You had to pay. You have to pay back Mm -hmm. because you're not worthy. Interesting. You have to give something. Yeah. I know. Isn't that a gnarly snake of a. Yeah. And I have, I, I, I know we don't, we have about five more minutes, but I have two thoughts. Um, The first one is um, directed more to the listeners, which is, again, we're talking about love. We've introduced this idea of, therefore, what is my story and what am I bringing into, in this case, my relationship with this topic called love. And then if I push that, where else? It's like a domino effect. Love, in this case, doesn't live in a silo, right? It lives in the context of other stuff in my life. And it'd be interesting, just as an exploration, as a reflection to notice Gosh, how what is the impact of that relationship I have on other important areas of my life? Like children. Yeah. We've spoken of your relationship with yourself. And if your own relationship could do a little with a little house cleaning or cleaning up or tweaking a little bit so that there's more joy. There's more satisfaction. There's more fun. That's that's why I love, I think, this idea of being coachable is that you can learn and you're willing to learn at any point in your life. And as we know, it's a matter of choice. And why coaching, I think, is so popular and used worldwide is very often those stories were so trapped inside our stories that we need an outside person to join us in the conversation to show us the direction the story is taking us and whether that's the right direction. Yeah, we're like facets of a diamond, right? I see my life through one one or two or maybe even 10 facets, but there may be facets that have been behind me that I never even considered looking through. So yeah. the other the other thing, and uh, let me bring it up, and it might be something we discuss in our next episode. Uh, let's see. But I in our in one of our conversations, you had mentioned, and let me just look at my notes so I get it right, that the idea of romantic love was an invention in language in the Middle Ages. Prior to that, it didn't exist. What? <laughs> what? Do you do you recall details of that? Yes, yes. Or do you need to Yeah. Go ahead. No. And all of so that's true. Like romantic love didn't really exist before the Middle Ages and it was courtship, all that stuff had a starting point ish, you know, like in the in the Middle Ages. And through the Victorian times, it was developed. And now we have all of these stories and narratives. Like I thought romance was something that happened forever. I never thought about it. 
until you brought it home. Exactly. That's what, that's the power of distinctions. They make you stop and think Uh what you've been assuming that may or may not be valid or valid now. And that's, that's how you can open a crack for learning is like, maybe I am working on old stuff or, I mean, the not good enough discourse is very popular around the world. Very popular. Why? Because it fuels striving. Companies don't want you to work for satisfaction. They want you to be not good enough so that you'll do more next time. Very, very, very interesting. All right. So let's bring this to a close. Um, And viewers or listeners, we're not done. I mean, to be honest with you, we have barely even scratched a surface of what love is all about. It's so juicy. And I love using the word juicy, but I it's it's like the perfect word to use for me in this context. So um, I just want to reiterate uh, for everyone listening that the the conversations that we'll be having here is really designed to um, trigger reflections, to have you start to think about yourself, your life, um, the qual- designing a future that's really compelling for you so that if at the end of a conversation, you listen to us and you go, you know what, there is something I want to try and do differently. Do it. Go for it. You know, my current motto is life is too short for you to uh, uh, reach the finish line and go, I should have, I could have, I wish I did. No, no, no. Do something now. It can be small. doesn't have to be big. But here's the, the bottom line is it always starts with you. It always starts with who are you bringing into your life? into your uh, narratives and designing a future that's compelling. All right. So Carol, thank you so much. And we are going to continue with this conversation. Um, Yeah. So we're going to dig deeper in some other facets because we only spoke about romantic love kind of today. And there's so many other facets. All right. So thank you. We will be back. Thank you for listening to Teeny Talks. Inspire change, one powerful conversation at a time.